Welcome to the Runners Jam podcast, coming to you from Brisbane, Australia. I'm Condi Canudo. And I'm Sandy Canudo. And we're runners who love chatting all things running and triathlon. The Runners Jam is a place where we can share stories, encourage each other, and most of all, continue to build great friendships. So if running's your thing, then the Runners Jam is for you. Hey guys, great to be. Oh, I'm going to do that. Are oh, you going to do that I'm today? I'm going to do that. Okay, sorry, yeah, I'm sorry, Sandy. I'll let you do that today. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm turning the tables on Condi because oh. um, if anyone asks me about my running, it's still not quite happening. So how's your running going, Condi? My running is going slowly. Yeah, I'm slowly moving back into um, the running. You know, obviously we've had COVID um, early this year, and um, the recovery for both of us has been slightly different. I think I've sort of gotten over um, all those sort the of... The man flu part of oh, it. Oh, baby, baby. No, it, was, yeah. it wasn't like the flu back in 2019 <laughs> when I was out no, for three months. that was the great months. flu of 2018, yeah, which people, took you out for three weeks. Exactly, three months, people, <laughs> three months. But I'm getting back into it, yes, and it's really nice to get back on your feet and start turning the feet over slowly. Um, like I've been doing, but yeah, it's, it's, it's exciting to be back into it, isn't it? Well, it, it was good to see you doing hills with Kerry on uh, oh, Thursday. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. yeah, well, I was walking up. Kerry was, was very running. proud of you. Yeah. <laughs> I did it once. <laughs> she was proud up. of you. Yeah. Okay, on to today. So today, today. We, we'd like to welcome, and we've just found out he's a doctor, Dr. Yes. Liam St-Pierre. Yeah, I'll just better warn you, not one of those doctors that can save your life. Yeah, so not, not one I needed during COVID. If you need jeans cloned, I can have help with that. But, yeah. <laughs> wow, that's, that could save your <laughs> that life. That sounds even more <laughs> impressive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Liam is the director of the Raid Adventure Series. Um, you've been organising adventure races for 12 years now. You've been racing for a really long time. You had a yeah. huge list of accolades. Yeah. And you've done anywhere from 80 minutes to eight days eight of racing. Days. That's right. Yeah, it sounds impressive, doesn't it? it? Well, it I think it is impressive. Yeah. Well, yeah. in the end, it's really just bashing around in the bush looking for some checkpoint flags, but uh, <laughs> yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, there's probably some people listening today who haven't experienced um, these sort of races yeah, exactly. at all and maybe don't even understand what a rogue race is. Yeah. So um, that would be a good thing for us to discuss. But first of all, let's just talk about when you started running, like, how did you come into the running life? Uh, it's funny. I don't really think of myself as a runner, even though I run three or four days a week. Uh, running sort of just a byproduct of adventure racing. Okay. Um, mm. So mostly just run trails. Um, I did my first adventure race in 2006, so well, 16 years ago now. Um, I was 26 at that time. And when I look back, that's actually pretty young for an adventure racer. Okay. Yeah. 40 now and I'd be about the average age of your typical adventure racer. Um, so yeah, didn't have a running background at all as a kid. I played a lot of competitive basketball, but, uh, yeah, sort of forced to, to run every now and then just to <laughs> okay. be able to, to get through these events. Yeah. yeah. So it was it that you saw an adventure race and thought, oh, I, I'd love to do that. I'll start training for that. Yeah. I had, someone had mentioned it. I used to, I owned a kayak and used to do a little bit of paddling. Um, I liked the idea of riding but the idea of road cycling was intimidating. So when I heard, yeah. oh, this is paddling, um, it's mountain biking, anyone can run. I had a mate tell us about this short event up at the sunny coast. Did that race, um, got horribly lost on the way to the first checkpoint. Um, but yeah, it was been hooked ever since then. So I did my first sort of what we call a sprint race in uh, 2006. Worked my way up to a 24-hour race, uh, 2007, 48-hour race, 2008 by 2010, I did my first expedition length race. So, uh, yeah, one of these eight-day uh, events. 
That's so, massive. Yeah. So, Liam, were yeah. they solo runs for you, or they? Yeah. Well, for um, I guess for the people who aren't familiar with adventure mm. racing, a bit of a background on the sport itself. Uh, yeah. It's a team sport uh, done with anywhere usually teams of two to four competitors. Uh, mixed categories considered the premier category, so at least one man and one woman on every team. Uh, and the courses raced over wilderness terrain. Uh, on an unmarked course, so uh, everything's done by navigating uh, with map and compass. Uh, typically, you wouldn't find out the course until the day of or maybe the night before an event, and you'll go through a series of stages. So uh, it'll be multiple, multiple disciplines. The three main disciplines are mountain biking, kayaking, and uh, running, uh, but there can be a whole bunch of sort of any sort of wilderness uh, disciplines involved. So whitewater rafting, ropes ascending, ropes descending, oh, caving. Wow. Yeah, oh, can, okay. depending. But you, you know that before you sign no, up. No, typically to a race. Oh, sometimes you do, sometimes <laughs> you don't. Sometimes you'll find out. Okay, guys, you're going to be going through a cave on stage six for this event. So it can, yeah, it's uh, well suited to people who uh, love the sort of the outdoor stuff, the adventure stuff. Uh, yeah, it's um, it's not the sort of uh, thing where you know, okay, we're going to be doing a triathlon where I do a 10K mm-hmm. run and uh, certain like, like swim. Um, you sort yeah. of just need to be prepared for anything. And you would have to have some skill because when you're you saying to. like with the ropes, I'm thinking yeah. I've never done that. So yeah. if I rocked up for a race and suddenly had to... So usually, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. A lot of the, the more technical elements like that, say for a ropes course, um, it, they often have it set up so that the safety elements are there that you could step in for the first time and do your right. first abseil mm-hmm. during an event. Um, Whitewater stuff usually they'll keep the uh, technical nature of the river to up to about grade two. So as long as you can keep the boat upright and point in the right direction you're going to basically get down the river uh, not to say that um, by expanding your skill set that you're going to do better and better at these sort of races mm-hmm. yeah. so you, you're saying that you've been organizing these raids for the last 12 years yeah so I guess running them as commercial events since 2008 so four going on five years now uh, a little bit of a background um Associated with adventure racing is another sport called rogaining. Um, yeah. It's, again, a map and compass navigational event uh, involving um, teams of two to five competitors. Uh, where they differ is that traditionally an adventure race is a linear event. So you would uh, – stage one might be kayak to checkpoints one, two, three, and then transition to run to checkpoints four, five, six, and then – back to the kayak and then the bike, and it's a linear course that you're going through. Rogaine's differ in that uh, instead of being a set course and distance, there are set amount of time and you're trying right. to navigate okay. to collect as many checkpoints as you can in a set time. So you can jump around checkpoints. That's right. You okay. um, basically pick – it's a open uh, book and you set your own route. Okay, um, yep. Typically, the events go anywhere from an hour up to – uh, 24 hours, which was the origin of the sport. On Not only are you collecting as many checkpoints as you can, but each checkpoint has its own score value. So okay, right. checkpoint at the top of the hill might That's be right. worth 100 points. Yeah. This one nice and close okay. to the start might be worth 10 points. So in the linear race, you yeah. still have to be skilled at reading the map and being Absolutely. able to work out how to get there. Yeah. But in these uh, races that you're planning, you have to do that, but you can also – Pull in a lot more strategy thinking absolutely. Well, if we skip that one to get that one. and Yeah, yep, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. And the strategy is uh, the big appeal for a lot of these events. So a lot of adventure racers would use rogaining as a way of um, training their map and compass navigational skills. Um, but, yeah, there's a lot of crossover, obviously, between the two sports. So 
back in uh, 2008, I started organising Rogaine's on a voluntary basis for the Queensland Rogaine Association. Uh, just a couple of foot fence of, originally, and then in 2010, organised what was the first Rogue Raid. So it's a um, adventure race in that it's mountain biking, kayaking, hiking, but it's a Rogaine format. So every stage is its own individual Rogaine. So. You, you know, stage one might be a trek and to get from um, the start to the first transition area might be three k's if you go the shortest way or you could do 20 k's by picking up all the checkpoints and then you'd get onto the river and do a paddle row gain and then onto a mountain bike. Uh, so it's uh, a, a sort of a, a weird crossover between adventure racing and row gaining. Um, not much, uh, not many of these events are sort of around. This is a, sort of the first real one to do this. I ran those on a voluntary basis uh, right through to 2018, um, so yeah, about eight years, and just got to the point where the events grew and grew. Um, our 24-hour road grade was the probably the biggest attended 24-hour adventure race in the country, and wow. it got to the point where I was consuming so yeah. much of my time, um, it sort of got a bit silly. I thought, okay, we need to sort of start running these as commercial events. There's also an opportunity that came up at that time to join the Adventure One National Series. So our premier event, the Rogue Raid, is one of the qualifying members for the National Adventure Racing Series, Adventure One. So that sort of all fell into place at the same time. And I've been running these events commercially now for about four or five years. Along with the Rogue Raid, which is a 24-hour event, we have a um, collaborators who run a 12-hour event, the Mojo Raid. We've got a six-hour event uh, called the Wildfire Raid. And or even the little three-hour urban rogue event that we put on every yeah. year. So there's definitely a, a pathway to, to building up. Yeah. Because I, I feel like people hear about adventure racing, and there's just crazy, like that's yeah. just impossible. And I used to be that person originally yeah. as well. Like I first heard about this little sprint race and I did it. And I remember being at one of these early sprint races and they had a slideshow up of people racing this big expedition race in Australia. And I thought, God, you know, these are lead at, how could you ever do anything like that? And, you know, within three or four years, that was myself. And, yeah. you know, <laughs> bitten by the bug pretty hard, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But it's, um, they are very achievable in that yeah. it's not necessarily the best athlete on the line that does well. And I'm a good example of that. Like I said, I've never really considered myself to be a runner. It's just something that I do as a, a, a side thing of um, it gets doing you to the end of the race. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. and I know on the any starting line, if you look at the, and we quite often can run into the top five teams in Australia. I look around at every one of those athletes and I think, well, they're just much better athletes than me. Even my teammates are much better athletes than me. <laughs> but just through a bit of grit, um, uh, knowing you uh, know yourself really well, good navigation and good strategy, you, you can do quite well in these events. Yeah. The great thing with the Rogaine format as well is that uh, because essentially every checkpoint out there is optional, it's almost impossible not to be able to finish a leg. You've just yeah. got to get to the next transition area. Even if you only grab one checkpoint and the elite teams are doing 20, that's fine. They're very achievable. If you need to stop and sit down for an hour or two in the middle of the night, grab some sleep, that's also fine as well. Yeah. Um, you can work to your strengths if you're a good paddler, spend more time on the water. If you're a good biker, spend more time there. So yeah, I think that's what some of the big appeal about these events are. Mm. Yeah. It removes the do not finish or did not finish, yeah, doesn't absolutely. it? So. Yeah, that's right. I mean, not to say you can't roll an ankle or snap a bike frame or yeah. things can still go wrong where you, you might, you know, need to get picked up from the course. But, yeah, there's definitely um, you don't see the attrition rates that you would mm. see in a linear adventure race as well. So. So how does that process work then, Liam, when, like you say, if something happens and you twist an ankle yeah. or something, you get picked up in the course, what 
What does that mean? Well, does I, someone come and get you? Yeah, I'm I guess assuming. there's two sides of that. There's what happens with the team. Um, to get a ranked finish, the whole team must finish together. Right, okay. Um, so it is a team sport, anywhere between two to four competitors together. So you've got to get everyone over the line. So if it's a minor thing where someone's gone out too hard, cooked themselves, nauseous, vomiting, it's okay, we'll carry your pack for you. <laughs> well, <laughs> literally, they use tow ropes as well. So, yep, yep. Um, you know, hook them up to a tow rope just to keep them together and help them up a hill or give them a little push. So there's you've got that support of a team yeah. around you. Um, as it, From an organiser's point of view, it depends on the length of the race. For the, the, anything over 24 hours, teams will be carrying a tr- tracker. So we'll right. be able to monitor them via a, a GPS tracking system. Um, for this uh, long expedition length races we organise, because we do up to 100-hour mm. um, rogue events, um, they'll have a, an emergency SOS button. So, you know, they're in the middle of a creek, bone sticking out of their arm. Not that this has ever happened. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> worst no, case scenario worst case. where That's they're right. not getting themselves out. Mm. Hit that SOS button. Um, or just dial triple zero because I'll have a phone and we can get ambulance in. Worst case, helicopters coming through like yeah, that. So yeah. we've been very blessed as a race organiser. Um, I think the worst injury we've had is a, a set of kidney stones out on okay. the course. Oh, yeah, okay. just bad ter- timing. Terrible, yeah. terrible timing. We had uh, our, our emergency um, support service guy was an emergency doctor and he recognised the symptoms straight away. And we were able to get in the hospital and they were subsequently fine and a lot of pain. But, yeah. Um, yeah, we've never had sort of a major incident. But obviously we have all the protocols in place to course, hopefully yeah. deal with it if, if required. So, yeah. And so how did you find that transition? Because um, your list of races that you've done is enormous. Yeah. And I did notice that in the later years it's a few less events, yeah, which yeah. is obviously <laughs> to do with the pressure of race directing. Yeah. So how, how have you found that? It's um, So it's, it's funny. There's, I guess, Two contributing things you nailed on the head, organising races. So I'm a very sort of organised person. That's why I like organising races. But I find a lot of the energy that I used to go into my own racing and being able to, you know, plan um, accommodation and gear lists and the sort of training now goes towards organising races. We've also got two kids under the age of six as well. So that's sort of um, yes. put the brakes on a little bit as well. But, you know, I'm still spoiled. I've raced the um, National Series events um for the last two or three years now. I used to love getting to one expedition race a year. Um, that's probably dialed back to now every two years. Mind you, COVID hasn't helped yeah, as well, but yeah. we got to an expedition race last year and while not this year, maybe next year as well. So, And, yeah, as I get a little bit older, I'm sort of a little bit, being a bit more picky and choosy about the races I do. I love to go explore new areas and really wild courses that really test your skills. So okay. if I could have just the most remote wild race that I could get to and, I, and that was the one race I'd do a year, I'd pick that over doing, you know, a bunch of small wow. local things as yeah. well. So. I, I suppose that's one of the things as you mature and you're running too, yeah. you do get a lot pickier about what you prepared to, yeah, absolutely. you yeah. know, give up the rest of life for, to train for. Yeah. Um, I'm put off by the reading the map uh, <laughs> out in the wild. <laughs> Condi and I would be completely lost. Yeah, yeah because there's no... There's, there's no markers on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, when we did the, the urban one, I thought there'd be street names. Yeah, <laughs> I was completely blank. Yeah, so again, it's just a, it's a learnt skill too. Yeah. Anyone can pick that up. And uh, you're right, you can start off with these urban events where um, it's relatively straightforward because you're yeah. on streets and everything yeah. right through to pretty intricate technical cross-country navigation. I guess in favour of the sport is it is a team sport, so... If you've got yeah. one strong navigator on the yeah. team, then that, that's good. It's obviously great to have more. Yeah. But, look, it's it's part of what brings people back because no one's ever had a perfect race, I don't mm. think. There's no point we'd 
get to the end and say, oh, geez, I wish we had not gone this way or I wish we had picked that route or yeah, it's yeah. there's there's so many sort of unknowns as, uh, that, that are yeah. involved. So, And I get that that maybe doesn't appeal for everyone, a lot of people who sort of like to know what they're signing up for, but I think, um, yeah, a lot of people do get bitten by the bug. They try yeah. this every now and then. Well, from our experience, yeah. um, we'd never done anything like this. No, I've just first done time. traditional road races and a couple of trail races. Yeah. Um, and one of our friends who has done, I think it was it was the two-day event. Was it the two-day? Oh, 24 24-hour hour event, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that Fee had done. So she said, oh, look, the Urban Raid's coming up. So a whole stack of us signed up for mm-hmm. it. We just thought this is going to be fun. And I think there's a lot of people out there listening to the podcast who probably know nothing about this sport. So I would like to talk about the Urban Raid because I think yeah. it is a great way to entice yeah, people into people it. Yeah, introduce people into it. Because when I initially hear about the, the, the adventure racing, I'm thinking out in the wilderness. Yeah, you know, yeah, the and there's toads out there. I don't want to talk about <laughs> it. So yeah. the Urban Raid was great. So it's a great introduction. our experience was we were on a team of five yeah. And we had an exceptional navigator, Fee, yep. on the team who has done your races before. And also Hayden was on our team and he was awesome with the map as well. Yeah, he could and read it. Yeah, and Jody well. knew the city really well. Yep. Um, I could hold a pen in the paper. That yeah. was pretty much all I bought. And I could help find things. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, you just nailed it. Everyone gets a role on the team, yeah. right? And, uh, yeah, the Urban Raid is a perfect introduction to the sport because the mechanics is the same. It's checkpoints that are worth a score. We're trying to get the highest score. Mm-hmm. It's a set time, everything like that. But in a relatively, other than, you know, drunks down um, Fortitude Valley yeah. on <laughs> <the> Friday night, <laughs> a relatively safe uh, environment. You can't get too lost, you know. Know, there's always help there, so yeah. it is uh, definitely a, a perfect yeah. introduction. And they were cheering us on, weren't they? The drops were cheering, yeah. <laughs> cheering yeah. us on yeah. as we're going past. And then there were other places, a few, because um, you, you get a list of clues as such, yep. of, and then when you get to a spot, it, they're not always obvious no, what it is, right. so yeah. you do have to go hunting a little bit. Um, so there's just this element of, you know, as a team, when you're having to solve a problem together, it really yep. does bind you together. Absolutely. It's a, a big treasure hunt. There's some yeah. way I like to think. It's just big kids either playing in the city it or in the bush as well. It was great fun. It was great fun. And as Condi said before, we did way more Ks than we were anticipating yeah. on doing. But <laughs> our team did less than other teams and got more points because Perfect. we had some very strategic people yeah. on our team. It was not Condi or myself. <laughs> no, exactly. But um, it was just great fun. I'm just wondering how do you go about planning it like What's the behind the scenes? As a course setter. Yeah. So best thing I like to do is just get a, a blank map, okay, and then it's um, it's a, a lot goes into thinking about getting the right balance. So every time you place a checkpoint, you need to look at what are the checkpoints around it, what ways could people go. Um, so I start off with that. So it will be a scattering of all the checkpoints and locations. Um, but then I'll go out and vet it and I think, okay, this is actually a good spot or this is a spot that I want people to see or, okay, no, this is not great because it's a bit dangerous crossing here mm-hmm. for an urban event. Yeah. It'll be similar for the bush-style events, okay, as well. It's like, okay, do we want them uh, – it's at the top of the hill or, oh, no, it's too much land time, it's too overgrown, this creek's probably not uh, safe because there's an old mine cut in here. Okay. So <laughs> once you've got this uh, checkpoint locations, the next step is actually assigning scores to it and that's uh, the real art to mm. course setting a row gain is determining what the score values are. 
um, because that'll play a big part in determining which way teams will want to go, which checkpoints to go yeah. for. So yeah, yeah that's a, it's a lot of fun as well. Yeah. That's actually the fun part of it. For our experience, um, we all set off the very hilly part at the beginning. That yeah. was just crazy hills at the beginning. Up, um, Paddington. Was it Paddington? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Well, it might not be the worst idea yeah. in that you get them over and Yeah, well, yeah. That, that was our thinking. Let's mm. knock them over there. And at one point I found um, down along the wharves. Yes. There were so many lost teams down yeah. there because you had the checkpoint up yeah, the, yeah, the very yeah. top and everybody's down yeah. the bottom. Oh, looking. yes, that's so right. That was, yeah. They were, they were like clever. teams doing teamwork with yeah, each other yeah, at that yeah, point, yeah. so that was the, exciting. And the team element as a competitor is the best thing. I, I've done some 100K or well, a couple of 100K runs before and solo. It's great and it's a good achievement, but the 100K run I did in uh, Oxfam with the team before, I said, okay, this is actually a lot more fun having people around to yeah. enjoy the suffering and help you get out of, <laughs> out of the trouble as well. So Yeah, and the yeah. ride of emotions, not that we had, you know, yeah. that on a three-hour event, no, no, but I can imagine not, on yeah. um, those longer ones you'd have some people plummeting and feeling low and others yeah. needing to pull them so up. So a big element for the longer stuff is uh, element of sleep deprivation that's involved as well. So once the clock starts on these races, it typically doesn't stop until you cross that finish line. And if you're sleeping, then you're not moving forward. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, for a – oh, gosh, I've done a five-night, six-day race where didn't sleep the first night and took uh, two hours every night then an hour and a half. So basically seven and a half hours sleep over five nights. Oh, and with that comes a lot of challenges emotionally between teammates as well, um, but also just clear thinking, obviously, and the navigation is uh, – um, in sort of mentally challenging task, yeah. especially at night. So, yeah, it's getting that balance between the sleep deprivation. So I, I feel like I'm not selling the sport. You did, is it the way up between, well, if I give myself four hours sleep, I'm yeah. going to function a whole lot For better sure. the next yeah. day? Absolutely. And would, like, would you do things differently? Yeah, in, in I look with different these. Uh, I think I've, I feel like I've got it dialed pretty good now, depend, depending on the length of the race. The longer the race goes for us. I've done a few races where we've gone over eight nights and I think you need minimum three hours a night. You need to sleep the first night for starters if you're going out for over a yeah. week and you uh, need probably a minimum of at least three hours every night because it just it's pointless. You, you're so tired. You, you're just basically crawling along. You're making bad decisions. <laughs> Everyone's still, it's just, you, through the night, it's just horrible. Um, for the shorter he stuff. it. Yeah. <laughs> the three or four night stuff, I think you can skip the first night and get through a little bit more. But keep in mind, not many people these days initially go out and do an eight-day expedition. Yeah, race exactly. That's choice. the elite. They, they build up to it. And that, I certainly had that route. It's interesting. The sport originally started as expedition-length uh, racing back in um, the 80s and 90s, a race called Great Gloire. It's a French company, ran um, races in New Zealand and then uh, a big event called Eco Challenge, which got a lot yes, of uh, that, yeah. TV, TV mm. coverage um, and a lot of big money in sport. And it started with uh, full-length expedition races and the sprint races grew out of that. But now I think a, a more sane, typical pathway into the sport is to try a little urban event, try a little sprint event, do I like this, and then work your way up from there. That's really good. Yeah. I think that's a smart move for yeah. the... <laughs> for the industry. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's what we've done. Yeah. Yes. yeah. And, 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 you know, and we might just stick with the urban road for another year or so. Yeah. <laughs> so you so, only do it once a year, do you? Do yeah, you just do it once. But there's uh, little events. I've got a – there's another – so the Queensland Road Gain Association runs a little series called uh, Dawn Nav, which is a, oh, that's right. a, a yes. little one-hour event. Yeah. Um, 
some of the changes I've seen come through the sport is um, better mapping because there's just better data out there. Also, um, uh, more tech with um, the tracking sort of side of things. So there's a little app now which is called Map Run, where you can set a virtual course, a bit like Pokemon Go, and that there's a <laughs> virtual checkpoint. There's not yeah. actually a physical f- checkpoint marker hung there, but if you yeah. pass through, your phone will register and it'll automatically do your score. So there's little events like that that are good sort of stepping stones to get into. Yeah. So what's a, what involvement do you have with those? Um, as a competitor mostly, mostly but yeah. also, um, yeah, so I still have pretty close ties with the Queensland Rogaine Association. Yeah. They're yeah. a not-for-profit um, community organisation who also organises mostly just foot events, but yeah. they'll do one paddle-only Rogaine every mm-hmm. year and one bike-only Rogaine every year, and we cross-promote each other's events. Um, we have a a point series for the um, individual sort of Rogainer of the Year where you can qualify points at my races or the Queensland Rogain Association. Yeah. So, yeah, very sort of close ties with them as well. And yeah. that's what you want, like in the running industry, you just want yeah. groups to be supporting each yeah, other yeah, and promoting yeah. each yeah, other. Yeah, I mean, the community of people is what basically keeps me coming back yeah. every time, just amazing people. Yeah. yeah so Always about the community, yeah, isn't exactly. it? exactly. Yeah. So, Liam, what sort of preparation do you think you need to sort of have or do to, um, you know, go into these races. As a participant? As a participant, yeah. yeah. So, you know, say for a first-time participant. Yeah. So my suggestion is to do exactly the, the path that you guys have started on. We'll keep working on you. Is to tr- <laughs> just try a couple of uh, a foot events first. So um, you've done an urban event. Try a foot Rogaine because they're a lot less gear intensive. Uh, you'll obviously have a um, set of running shoes. The main thing you'll need is basically a compass, and if even if you don't have one of those, we can sort you out. And make sure you've got <laughs> but do a you compass, have classes but... on how to use the compass well, and read a map there, that's yeah. only got contour lines oh, on it? Because that was insane. That was... So the Rogaine Association do run a training day every year. Actually, there's one coming up pretty soon, I think. Oh, okay, uh, yeah. too soon. Yeah, no excuses. <laughs> but honestly, the best way is to get out there and get lost, like literally to to make mistakes and learn from them um, over a shorter event what's the worst can happen right you don't score as much as you would have either well that's everyone doing every row game yeah. they always said oh gosh yeah. if only i could have done this i would have got that so yeah just to get out there and have a go it's you'll find it's a lot less maybe intimidating than you might yeah. suspect going from those foot row gains then obviously if you want to um to try a multi-sport row gain so the raid style events right, um, yep. we provide kayaks with all the paddling equipment um so pfds okay. and uh, paddles if if required so the big gear ticket item then is a, a mountain bike um so big borrow steel and <laughs> to get there and get out there and yeah from there obviously you can sort of work the way up if it's, it's something that you think's for, for you as well we probably want to start with events that are just day-only events so you don't need to worry about lighting systems at night and, and mm. night navigation introduces a whole other element. Yeah. Um, and then obviously once you get into the 24-hour events, the sleep deprivation side of stuff sort of kicks yeah. in as well. We can leave that one yeah, out. Yeah. yeah, we'll leave that to you, experts. <laughs> Again, I, I feel think. like it's a learnt skill. So it's a learnt yeah. skill. Yeah, yeah. I think the more you do it, the, the more you realise, well, the sun's going to be up in three hours. I feel mm. horrible now, but when that sun's up, I know things are going to get better. So, yeah, yeah definitely a learnt skill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I suppose for us, it's that whole navigation thing. The isn't navigation it? is a major yeah. problem and, you for know, us. And, yeah, and sort of reading these compasses and reading the yeah. maps. So yes, we probably would have to do a few sort of um, yeah. Well, I mean, service training. Even when to- we did the urban raid, you know, Fee, who was the lead for us, had said, "Look, well, everyone can take a turn at doing it," and it yeah. was just like I, can't, I don't even know where to. St- 
da with that. That yeah. would just be crazy. So well, it's, definitely something I, I have think to it's almost guess. in a way a lost skill. Everyone's got one of these yeah. in their pocket. Now. Yeah. GPS, yeah. Like, that's how yeah. I found this place. I've got no idea yeah. <laughs> if I how to get home from here if I didn't have my phone with me. Yeah. But um, yeah. So I think it is. Uh, it's using a part of your brain that that um, it's probably not worked enough lately. And at the same time, for people who are runners, because I've got a lot of mates who are trail runners and I'm slowly turning them into road games <laughs> and adventure races, you, you get to, it gives you purpose to your, your running. Like it's, uh, you know, it's, it's you've got the skill, this fitness yeah. to be able to run. Well, I, I, I can I say it to all my friends, there's so many guys who run better than me. I go, I go, you guys learn to navigate and you'll be killing me. <laughs> and I've got a couple of guys I said, you literally could be a world-class adventure race and run with the best teams in the world. If uh, yeah, if you gave it, it's a dedicated shot. So it's using that fitness uh, yeah, for a purpose. Yeah. In regards to teams, do you mm. have set people that are always on your team, or do you mix it up? Yeah, uh, a little bit of both. So um, with the national series, I've been very lucky to um, race with uh, a, a set team. Um, there's actually two couples who are based in Port Macquarie. Uh, they're brilliant people, much better athletes than me, um, and they're really organised as well, which is good because a lot of my energies goes into organising races. So I can say, oh, which races we doing? And I know they're going to turn up with the first aid kit and have the accommodation booked and I sort of can turn up and race. Uh, Locally, I like to sort of mix it up between friends as well. So, yeah, I'm at the point now where I'm I'm only really sort of interested in racing with friends. Early on, you know, you you mix it up with new people just because you want to try a race and no one, you know, wants to go, but you still want to do it. So you race with strangers. But now I'm a little bit more picky and choose here and sort of just race with um, key friends. So... Yeah, it's uh, pretty lucky that I, I do get to go out. I'll probably knock out maybe maybe three or four or five 24 to 48-hour races a year and a bunch of sprints stuff as well. Yeah, so, so that's still quite a lot considering oh, the absolutely. amount of effort you're putting into organising. Yeah, I guess too with a traditional runner, I don't know what the recovery time from, say, a marathon is, but you know, I would run a marathon on the weekend as sort of training for this longer stuff, but we're not running at sub-230 pace. of yeah, knocking exactly. out on the trails for four or five yeah, hours to yeah. Yeah, and and I'm imagining, well, Fee had said to me that a lot of the, the foot part of these is often walking oh, and trekking. You're not, yeah, you're yeah, not really yeah, running yeah. as Calling such, it running, so. is, uh, it's probably been a bit generous to it because yeah. a lot of it is, if uh, depending on the event, is off trail as well. So yeah. it's just not runnable. You're going to snap yeah. an ankle within yeah. five metres. So a lot of trekking. You're going to have a pack too because you need food for 16 hours and water mm. and your tracker and your mandatory jacket and so you do you know have a little bit of weight on the back so uh, it's um yeah, but you know running is always good fitness if you only got an hour in the morning you may as well run hills yeah, or something exactly. <laughs> but, um, exactly. That'll yeah exactly a, a lot of it is off, off trail stuff so yeah so how do you prepare then obviously you know we talked about you've got two kids as yeah. well and you know that they take up a lot of time Organising all these races take up a lot of time. How do you fit your own training then yeah, into, well, into everything? It's into- a lot of early mornings, <laughs> I guess. Um, it's uh, I commute on bike. Um, always true. If um, you know, get out for an hour or two's ride on a ride day, and then finish my ride at work. Uh, run trails. I like to use shorter races to build up for the big ones, and that's how I periodise it. Usually, it's adventure racing is a winter sport. It's just too hot to be racing in Queensland in summer, so we'll have a big block sort of from May onwards right through to October where the main races are. Um, so, and then mostly um, the longer stuff is just adventures. So, you know, we might head out somewhere and um, ride bikes up to Mount Nevo, drop it, go for a hike down into uh, from Northbrook Gorge, from Mount Glorious, ride mountain bikes back. Um, yeah, so it's mostly about incorporating sort of adventure and exploring into yeah. your training as well. 
Yeah. And what about your wife? Is she, is she involved? With, <laughs> no. We know that she's a sleep therapist. Yeah, is that right? sleep researcher. She's, sorry, sleep yeah, researcher. Yeah, yeah. So she's a well, developmental psychology researcher who does a lot of work into um, sleep practices and childcare centres yeah. as well. So qu- quite interestingly, her um, when she was doing her PhD, her supervisor is a um, obviously a sleep expert. Heard about the sport that I do, and he got quite <laughs> fascinating. And we actually were involved in a couple of little studies that they were. Doing oh, so, um, you know, actographs which measure activity and um, sleep patterns. So we we re- did a couple of expedition races where we collected s- the sleep data for the researchers, and then they've had a few little papers come out oh, of that. that would oh, that's be interesting. Yeah. She's my be. wife's not a racer, so um, yeah, she's usually still asleep in bed by the time <laughs> I get back along with the kids. So um, yeah, it's, I, it's funny because I do know a lot of couples who do race, and it's a different juggle. Obviously, yeah. they don't need to how to justify the training it's more about trying to fit around each other so yeah. i think they actually have it a little bit harder i'm a little bit spoiled. well especially when there's young kids at home yeah that's right yeah once so, they're grown up yeah, yeah well we're slowly idea. getting there right so i just had to do the last sort of school signing this morning with my uh, little girl so from next term she's just going to be able to drop her off at the gate and shoe her off an extra hour earlier <laughs> so I, freedom. I, yeah i can feel this freedom coming back slowly <laughs> yeah <laughs> It's always a good thing. Wait yes. till they move out of home. Yeah, yeah, really yeah. nice. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what's coming up now? Um, well, what you know? You say the the seasons is starting to. Um, yeah. So um, in terms of raid adventures, we've basically got our biggest event coming up in a month's time. Okay. So. Uh, Typically, we run a 24-hour adventure race every year called the Rogue Raid, but um, for the second time ever, we're running this 100-hour adventure race called the Raid 100, um, and it's exactly that. So, Rogaine format, adventure race, clock starts, and the teams race for four days and four hours, um, and that's uh, all sort of hosted out through the uh, Grafton area of Northern okay. Clarence Valley, uh, Clarence Valley Council of kindly sponsored that event um i can give a little bit away in the course that our race headquarters at grafton but the race starts in yamba and covers also that coastal region and then heads inland to the hills also to through the nimboida really fantastic uh, part of the world some beautiful stunning whitewater rivers proper wilderness peaks that get up to 1200 meters granite country swamplands beaches coves everything in there so it's a real proper adventure it's going to be uh, I'm pretty excited for the competitors on this course. I've been organising races for 12 years and I think this is probably the most adventurous and, say, technically challenging course that okay. we're going to have. And how many competitors? Um, so we're looking at about 140 at the moment. Um, we've had a few withdrawals in the last couple of weeks. That's just the nat- nature of the sport, yeah, a few yeah. injuries and not being able to make it. Um, but, yeah, 140, I think that's spread over 50 teams. So there's an option of racing either as a team of four in the premier mixed category. So, um, as I said, uh, mixed categories as a... Uh, the, the premier caddy for the national series um and then there's also pairs options so men's min, women's or mixed pairs as well so so with this 100 hours that they're yeah. out there are they carrying little tents to sleep in or they just sleep <laughs> yeah. out yeah. under Typically the stars not. yeah it's um i have done races where Can you tell i don't camp yeah. or anything <laughs> yeah. like um uh, there are races where you sometimes you have to carry a tent it's mandatory equipment i've raced in alaska and in new zealand and they often make you carry just a s- ultra light you know 1.1 kilogram tent, tent for yeah. the four of you my race it's not required uh, mandatory gear is limited to um, gore-tex jacket thermal top headlamp uh, and that sort of stuff but and first aid kit but then obviously there's an expectation you need to be self-reliant um so i if i was doing this race i would probably actually have the sort of minimal mandatory equipment with me and then 
Only when I knew I was going to be stopping at a location to sleep would I have, say, a sleeping bag, depending on the weather, maybe something to keep dry under okay. as well. Um, ideally, you'd try to sleep in a transition area. So between every stage. That's what I was wondering. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> call it transition areas. Yeah, yeah, transition. So between every stage, um, there's a transition area where you'll have access to a gearbox, which you pre-pack before the right. race. And my job as an organiser is to make sure your gearboxes turn up at the transition area. That's when a lot there. of pressure. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of work <laughs> as well. But um, we've got a good team that helps with that role and a good logistics plan in place where it hopefully should hard to get wrong and that they should be your gearbox as well and truly in advance so you know the race might start with a mountain bike and then you'll come to uh, edge of a river and then um, you'll have a transition area so there'll be a big box there to put your bike into another gearbox which will have your food batteries um, dry clothes Mm. trekking shoes and then a bag with all your paddles pfds and stuff in and you'll transition from bike to paddle and you head off down river we get all that gear and move it around to two transition areas later when you're going to see your bike next. Um, and it's certainly a skill in itself, transitions. A lot of time mm. can be lost in transition areas because they're usually a zone of comfort. There's a fire and yeah. friendly faces. And, yeah, I've, it's, it's been interesting as an organiser from the outside looking in. I've learnt a lot as a competitor about what works well. You see what the good teams do well and yeah. what the less um, uh, efficient teams mm-hmm. are, are doing in transition areas. So that's been a really good insight. So what does Harrison. a good team do well? Uh, they're, uh, very, they're, they're not frantic. They're very methodical about what they do. Um, they communicate really well with each other, mm-hmm. but everyone knows what they need to get done and just go about doing it. And if something comes out, it's not uh, it's screaming around. Yeah, yeah. As, um, you know, uh, I've, I've lost my own key. Has anyone got something so I can take my seat post off or something like that so um yeah and it's, it's basically just an experience thing they have a set routine of what they do in the, in the transition area okay i'm going to get dry clothes on i'm going to get my food ready and i'm going to start dismantling my bikes while i eat sort of stuff and um they move on there um a little bit of debate about sleeping because uh, often there are quite busy areas so sometimes the transition area is not the best area to sleep because you have teams coming in and in out, out through yeah. the night whereas if you're out on the course um, you can just literally pull up on the, in a gutter on the side of the road or on, yeah. in a creek bed somewhere and just lie down. But you then have to carry a little bit more. Less, mm-hmm. It's a less comfortable sleep because you might be, have a flat, dry space in a transition area to sleep. Um, so there's a little bit of a, a, tra- a trade-off. The problem with sleeping in transition areas, I find, is it's almost like you transition twice, getting ready to sleep and then waking up and packing up the sleep mm-hmm. and getting going again. So, yeah, pros and cons. So mm-hmm. I don't think there's a right answer. So what else is in this transition area? Obviously, their gear. Do you yeah. have toilets? Or? It's, yeah, I mean, it's really specific to location. Um, yeah. We've got uh, some really beautiful transition areas <laughs> for the uh, – I'm, I'm really excited actually for the volunteers to help out at the yeah. Raid 100. I think all of them are next to a river except for one of them, which is in, next to a waterfall in a national park. So just really cool places to hang out. Um, yeah, some of them are, we've got like – cabin style accommodation at oh. um yeah but uh, other times it's just uh, literally a paddock uh, so we have to bring in all the resources in terms of portaloos water this tanks is a lot of showers. Work. oh yeah absolutely. yeah <laughs> it's a lot of planning i only actually work in my uh, real job three days a week uh, monday to wednesday and so it gives me the flexibility that's enough the isn't it it is enough there yeah, because <laughs> leading up to an event it's it's just 24 7 it's all it was all the administration involved in um entries and the like um, the big killer is just the permits application process. Yeah. Like it's it's the bane of my existence mm. because usually you'd say like dealing with a national parks body, um, 
the person who makes the decision about where you can take your race is the National Parks Ranger, but you're dealing with a person who's in head office. So you send something to the head office, that goes to the National Parks Ranger, they come back to them with a question for the head office and they get to you. Um, and, yeah, it's a, a full 12-month process um, and not always um, logical reasons be- behind what you can and can't mm-hmm. do sometimes, which is going to be a little frustrating. So, But obviously you need to have those permits in place and that's a good process too because it makes sure the event's safe and, yeah. and, and, and the like. Exactly. So. Um, yeah, and the problem too with adventure racing is that every course is different. So every time you're applying for a new set of permits, dealing with new ranges and new, and trying to obs- explain an obscure sport. I've been here for what, like forty <laughs> minutes of half an hour now, just trying to explain adventure racing. Could you imagine trying to tell that? Yeah. Uh, um, a park yeah. ranger and yeah. you, you want Public a lot yeah, yeah well yeah, exactly like and they might be familiar with say a mountain bike race or a trail yeah. running race and they go oh so what's or the course bike. yeah yeah mm-hmm. they just expect <laughs> yeah well there's no course there's going to be 12 checkpoints and they could go there or they could go this way so i need access so yeah we eventually get it over the line every time and it's, it's fine but it is a long process as an organizer do you, do you actually because you said you know you start with a map and you drop things yes do you then actually go there and hundred uh, percent? Yeah. yeah. So how long do you spend down there? Um, oh, days and days and days and days and days. <laughs> better, of course, yeah. Um, so I'd like to make sure I see every, if, if possible, every checkpoint location beforehand, just to know that it's it's right. Like it's um, because it, it's. Uh, you don't want to have uh, pick a location that's just a horrible spot because it's overgrown and with scratchy yeah. thorns or something like yeah. that. Or you might be going the way and think, oh, actually, this is a beautiful creek line. Why don't we move the checkpoint over into here? Mm-hmm. Obviously, the safety element, it's just all got to work. So, yeah, it's multiple trips down and on the course. But at the same time, um, that's adventures as well. Mm-hmm. The only thing I don't like about it is usually I'm doing it by myself and I'm okay. obviously more of a people person and love to have a team around me. So yeah. if I can drag someone, a friend along who's not doing the race, then then I'm super happy because that's an exciting adventure. Otherwise, it, I mean, it's great. You're getting out seeing beautiful spots and taking photos of it, but after three or four hours, it does start to feel like a bit of work sometimes. <laughs> bit you know, I think a bit of training, but no, it's all good. That's what I'm, and that's how does cool. the joy of you racing and finishing a race compared to the joy of being the race director and seeing everybody Racing, oh, coming you, in and finishing. The best. It's funny because the best part as a competitor is crossing that finish line. It's just super um, rewarding. Yeah. Like, the most emotional mm-hmm. feeling, especially after eight days and sleep deprivation, is you just get this big welling up feeling. As a rest, race director, the best feeling ever is at the start of the race and you're handing over the maps for the first yeah. time because competitors aren't familiar with the course and this yeah. is something you've been planning for a year, a year and a half and to have that final reveal, that's the exciting yeah. part as well. Yeah, so. yeah, I guess it's like your baby and you should Absolutely. bring it out yeah. to show the world, project. don't yeah, you? Yeah, I like to think of there's little projects and I just sort of like to look back over past races and, and reflect on it because it, yeah, it is, you know, it's you know, an artist might write a song or paint a painting. For me, this is my hobby and my passion. Yeah, these, yeah. Each one of these is a piece of work that I like to develop. Yeah, yeah. yeah that you've obviously put many, many hours into. Can be sometimes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, lots of times. Because each race will be different from year to year. Absolutely, it? yeah. And even exactly. if we go back to yeah. the same location, which we haven't done often, but each course will be different. You know, yeah. Different order of disciplines, different places and checkpoints. You try to always mix it up a little mm. bit. Yeah. So when we come to do the Urban Raid again in December yep. this year, even though our starting and finishing point is that's right. going to be at Suncorp, Suncorp Stadium. Yes. yes, that's right. Yeah, we yeah. are going to be doing some different places, 
and that's different That's right. Actually, actually, I got a little mix-up. It's been nine years now that I've run that urban raid. I, maybe it's the ninth. It might even be the tenth year this year. And I'm just going to mix up the map a little bit without giving too much away. But people who've done quite a few of them might get a little bit surprised. <laughs> nice. What's happening with the different areas? So as you're well. already clicking over. Oh, 100%. Without yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, definitely. When the mics are off, I ask yeah, you more exactly. questions. Yeah, we'll pull out the map. We could win it this year, babe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you're obviously, like I said, been organising that hundred hour yep. uh, rogue, rogue gang race. Yep. What other races have you got in store for the community? Uh, so, um, so the raid one hundred in the start of May with the Clarence Valley Council. We then got approached by the Scenic Rim Regional Council, uh, who've got a new and I should. Double check on this. It's called the um, Escape to the Scenic Rim Outdoor Festival. So mm. the whole month of May, they've uh, got a, a bunch of uh, outdoor events running. Um, and they approached me to run uh, an adventure race. Oh, um, they actually wanted oh, it cool. the week of the Raid 100 at the start of May, but they will be running one at the end of May. That's called the Escape Raid. It's actually probably a perfect little introduction because it's a little bit different in that instead of being a multi-discipline um, race where you'll go from kayak to bike to kayak to foot to bike again, uh, we've actually broken up the three disciplines into three separate races, and you can do one of them or you can do all three or one or two of them if you like. So you'll kick off with a Saturday afternoon with a – either a three- or a six-hour foot Rogaine in the bush on a private uh, winery property um, out near Wairalong Dam, uh, camping, catering overnight, um, real sort of social vibe, and then wake up the next morning, we'll put on breakfast for you, start with a three-hour kayak um, Rogaine event, uh, we'll do lunch and then a three-hour mountain bike event in the afternoon. So it's part of the Scenic Rim Festival. Sounds amazing. Yeah, that's called the Escape Raid. Yeah, mm. it's, a, it's a slightly different concept. I, I haven't seen this sort of thing for a while. Obviously, the Rogaine Association will do one event but to have all three there and in the one location and the camping and yeah. i'm hoping to make it a real sort of family friendly event obviously if you're a super ultra competitor you can go in there and smash the course as well but <laughs> yeah we're hoping to make this a real sort of social one yeah uh, in june we have our um wildfire raid which is our basically the shorter version our either three or six hour multi-sport event so just like the events i've described but over a shorter distance that's up at um Donnybrook, supported by Morton Bay Regional mm -hmm. Council. Um, and then we have another event, which is our Mojo Raid uh, in, uh, I think it's in August. It's, I've had to have a date change recently. Mm -hmm. um, and that'll be up. Uh, we haven't announced the location. I know where it is. <laughs> coming soon. It's not coming soon. Nearly it's soon. coming it's soon. It's coming soon. <laughs> yeah, he's just about to say it then. Yeah, that's, right. Right. Yeah. Put himself there. that's right. So, yeah. And again, that's I think that's a perfect length event. That's a, uh, They've got a three-hour family event on the Sunday, if you want, but there's a six or a 12-hour option, yeah. six hours. It's a long time. 12 hours, It's if you want to get a taste of night time racing but not actually go through the night, then that's a great stepping stone to some yeah. of these longer events I well. think that is what is lovely about this is that people don't have to jump from mm. – like the, the three hours straight up to a 24-hour. Yeah. Yeah. The reality is, too, if you enter a 12-hour event, there's no rule that says you have to race for 12 hours. You can go out for two hours, come back, have some lunch, go out for another four hours and call it a day and you still be a ranked result, right? So, mm -hmm. Is there a coffee van to go back to? I'm sure it will be a coffee van, yeah. Actually, and that's a good reminder. I need to get my coffee van sorted for the escape <laughs> event. But, yeah, definitely. Liam, how do people get involved now? 
Yes. What's what's, what's the so process? So I, I guess um, if you want to give a crack at a Raid Adventures event, I'd say jump onto our website, uh, raidadventures.com. Uh, at the same time, uh, a quick Google of Queensland Rogaine Association will bring up a calendar of events. And honestly, I've had people ask this question like, how do I get started? Just enter an event. Yeah. They're super uh, reasonably priced. Um, you know, mm. I've run UTA before and looked at the cost of that and I think, gosh, am I underselling our product here because you get – all this level of organisation and catering and maps printed and they're, they're really quite reasonable. But the best way to get in there is just to get your hands dirty. I mean, you can watch YouTube videos about adventure racing and how to work a compass, but the best thing you can get is just get out there and grab some mates. That's the other thing I suggest. I have do it with people that uh, you're friends with who've got no idea either and, and you can <laughs> and learn like together. Like we did. Well, we <laughs> had right. our friend had an idea, so that was yeah. – I think yeah, that's, that's right. helpful. We had no idea. Yeah, well, maybe this year you might have to uh, split up and uh, – No, <laughs> no. <laughs> I am sticking with Fee. We like our team. We did, we did like our team. We did. I did want to ask you um, – um, obviously, you've had so much racing. Yeah. Can you give us like the highest moment, the most oh, memorable yeah, one, okay. and then also the really crappiest moment? What was really oh, hard? So, um, yeah, look, we'll say some of the higher events. So, I've done a lot of expedition racing, and to me, that is the pinnacle of the sport. And what you're a bit I'm of a bear grill, yeah. So, um, there's a race over in New Zealand called God Zone. Um, it's I think the most highly regarded adventure race in the world. They have just stunning terrain over there. Uh, I raced their first three editions um, over 10 years ago now um, and then went back in 2018 to do what they're calling uh, the ultimate course and there's one of those races that took eight days. I think of the 70 teams, only 21 finished the course. We were lucky. Well, we, we finished 16th um, and it was, yeah, over eight days of racing. It was grueling that is amazing yeah one stage alone was um 75 hours which is as long as some races right carrying massive packs 75 hours yeah for one stage so (laughs) yeah three days of food and and everything it was just brutal terrain too like anyway so but to cross that finish line is just yeah get goosebumps just thinking about it now uh and you know i've like anyone i've had um, races that have gone bad i the first time i raced internationally was we got sponsorship um, from a website called Sleep Monsters to do a race in Abu Dhabi. Um, mm. Anyone that knows me knows I hate heat. Like <laughs> I, I sweat if I eat pepper. It's like <laughs> it's it's not good. And I was carrying a little bit of a niggle into that. It's a five day stage race, and I think um, on the big bike leg leading into the desert hike, the knee just blew out, and um, and just I literally couldn't even bend the knee. So it's just yeah. Uh, uh, a ride home <laughs> after that. So I've had the, the, those sort of low moments as well. Um, yeah. And even if in a, a, a one race you're going to have up and down moments yeah. at any given time, you know, if you're lost and it's just so gutting when you just don't know where to go to find so and so frustrating. You've been and, lost? Oh, many times. <laughs> okay. Pretty, yeah, oh, yeah. It's the only way to learn, right, is to yeah. get lost and work out mm. how to problem solve getting out of there. Yeah. What was the length of time, the longest that you were oh, lost for? I've been, it's been <laughs> the first, that very first God's own race we did was a the third stage was this trek leg and we suspect we planned to take 20 to 24 hours 46 hours later we came out of there including a 12 hour period where we covered uh two and a half kilometers yeah was it like up the side of a mountain it was coming off the side of a mountain actually it's this horrible dead fallen trees and every time we try okay Mm. let's get down in the creek line we'd be waterfalls and let's get out and then we it was just the thing of nightmares in the end we had to um 
just pull up stumps and sleep for two or three hours to clear our heads. And all, we weren't even trying to find a checkpoint. We just had to get off the top of this mountain down into the valley below. And it, it's literally the stuff of <laughs> nightmares <laughs> at the time. So, yeah. And, and then obviously you're, you know, 12 hours behind your expect times and it's a pretty low moment for, for a team. <laughs> but, yeah. you know. Very challenging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get through it and you learn from yeah. those experiences now and it's good because you can have a laugh about it later <laughs> on, right, that type two fun they call it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bonds you together. That's right. Yeah, it does. <laughs> so, Liam, what's next for you when it comes to your own racing career? Um, so, good question. We're hoping to compete in the Adventure One National Series again this year. Um, just trying to think when the next event will be my event, which I can't race, obviously. I've got one in, in October. Um, and there's also uh, A1 Series Finals going to be in New Zealand this year. It's at the start of December. It's a, a race called uh, True West, and it's organised by a racer called Nathan Fave, who's considered the godfather of adventure racing, okay. like one of the well, easily uh, the most world-regarded adventure racer in the world. Um, it's uh, at uh, I think it's friends Joseph Glacier, Fox Glacier, and so basically guaranteed to be the most amazing course you could. So hopefully, I can build a team and build work towards that at the moment. As I said, a lot of my time in the next. Month will be towards the Rade 100, but then, yeah, I'll be building up uh, from there again too. So there'll be a few little sprint races and road gates to, to build up to that point. So, yeah, big year ahead. Sounds exciting. Yeah, sounds very exciting. Sounds completely it? overwhelming but exciting. Yeah. <laughs> no. I mean, just the, the fact of trying to juggle the family, organising all these events and look after your own sort of um, yeah. racing is is. Yeah, I guess you've got to do something Plus in life, you know, right? <laughs> With work training. Plus you've got you know, you, yeah. you do work stuff as well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but, you know, it's fun. <laughs> yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, the payoff of building the community is yeah. so worth it, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely, and that's what keeps me coming back is that those are the cool people with yeah. it. Um, we've got a great event. Um, the volunteer team for our events are just amazing and yeah, it's really rewarding and, and it's great yeah. um, hearing stories mm. like from yourself as well. And I did get to hear the podcast from the, mm. uh, your from the friends. Two, yeah, yeah. 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 The yeah. That, that really gave, gave me a kick just to hear sort of how that mid sort of pack team yeah. have, have sort of experienced that course. They yeah. loved it. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. loved it. Yeah. The hiker bike um, yeah, element was, was pretty like <laughs> brutal. <laughs> That was that was actually pretty nasty. So that um, hiker bike goes <laughs> yeah, over. He admits uh, it now. <laughs> yeah, he admits it. Well, so my my excuse, uh, my, well, um, is that you chose to do that in a Rogaine course. <laughs> every checkpoint is optional. Yes, that's right. So you chose to go that way. You, you, <laughs> so yeah, that's uh, that's yeah, that's my excuse. But um. I know yeah, if he was, was staying at fine, you felt like you had to do it because yeah, yeah, that yeah. was like the pinnacle that's of the right. event. Yeah. So, so that's um, that ridgeline is actually used in a trail ultra run, a 100K event. And um, I'd sort of designed the course and incorporate it in there. And I thought, oh, actually, it'd be good if we can get the bikes around that way and we'll just take it over. And I, and I looked down and I thought, oh, God, that's not actually really a trail. <laughs> and I thought, but it is a ridgeline and you will get through there. So did you? Did you carry oh, a bike God, up I'm to not prove it? To do that. <laughs> he just thought it'd be good if yeah, someone yeah, did yeah, carry a right. bike. Yeah. But we'll just, yeah, that's right. <laughs> just throw that in. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, and then there's always those sort of elements of a race, and a lot of times I think, like, why? Why are we doing it? Like, what's the point? I'm actually paying money to do this. Why <laughs> am I doing this? But then, you know. A month later, you're talking about it's the best thing ever. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, you know, Fee and Vic's story has entertained a lot of people. <laughs> We've all been inspired <laughs> exactly. by them. So, yeah. 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 Well, I'm convinced to get you guys along to one of these. Yeah, exactly. eventually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one thing I just wanted to ask you, you talked about, you know, the volunteers are an important part yeah. of, of the races. And, um, you know, how do you sort of, 
How do people get involved in that aspect? Of, yeah, of, I mean, a lot of the volunteers we have, um, most of them come from uh, being competitors yeah. and just involved in the sport and they, they love it and maybe they're, you know, maybe slowing up or it's just one of and still involved in the sport. Sometimes they're um, friends and loved ones of the competitors as well. Yeah, so the events couldn't exist without the volunteers and we love our volunteers and make sure we look after them really, really well. Like uh, the events are, that are, the Rate Adventures series are profitable for me, but I'm not certainly retiring <laughs> on it. It's certainly yeah, a, yeah. a passion project. So to be able to have a team that can sort of step in there and help out you just can't run them by yourself obviously with oh, the exactly. logistics and everything yeah. but at the same time i think as an organizer it's very important that you look after and appreciate your volunteers that you realize that they are giving up their time and that you got to make it an experience for them and enjoyable as well and i think um we do that good job of that actually so well done. obviously we do because well done, we get yeah. um, a lot of yeah. people coming back year in year out and there's and they love the now. social connection absolutely yeah. Yeah. Too, absolutely yeah. and i know everyone's skill sets now and then there's things that people are better at that i just leave to them and and i know I've, yeah, i can rely on them to get that job done and yeah, it is a really cool vibe but these transition areas I remember when I first started organising races and the first night I just felt horrible, all these people coming in broken like they're, you know, <laughs> busted, they've been sick or they're cold and, they're, and all looking and I was like, God, what have I done? Like I felt really, really bad. I've sort of now realised that's what people are after with some of these experiences yeah. and I don't feel guilty anymore about that <laughs> He's so like, much. you signed up for yeah, it. Pretty much, yeah, pretty yeah. But um, as a competitor, you getting into a transition area and having a bunch of really lively volunteers yeah. and a friendly face can really mean a lot as well. So oh, it certainly does. Yeah. Certainly does. And that's great that, you know, people can get involved in that area as well. You know, yeah. if, they, if they can't physically, you know, aren't ready to race or whatever, they can be a part of it still. still yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's awesome. See, running's a team sport, isn't it? Yes. Adventure that, racing is absolutely a yeah, team sport. Yeah, it has to be a team sport, that adventure racing. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, Liam, it was great having you on oh, this okay. episode of the Runner's Jam podcast. It was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. thank really you. Really interesting. Um, and we'll make sure that um, we'll put those links um, to Raid Adventure yeah. um, in the description as well. So um, if you want to get involved, either as a competitor or as a volunteer, um, yeah, you can contact Liam. Or just by look at the one. great photos on Facebook yeah. too, oh, of the course. Yeah, yeah. 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 Actually, you're on Facebook as well too. We are, yep, on Facebook. As Raid Adventure? Yes, yep. uh, as Rogue Adventure. Rogue Adventure. Yeah. Okay, so we'll make and sure. YouTube, there were some videos. Yeah, there's it? a lot of great uh, clips that will give you a good feel for what it's like yeah. to be on a team out on so the we'll, course for a we'll YouTube make channel. Sure, yeah, we'll make yeah. sure some of those links are on the description so people can, you know, obviously get access and contact you. And yeah. as for runners jammers, we will be entering multiple teams in the Urban yeah, Rate this year. Well, so, I'm thinking we're going to so put be that prepared, challenge. guys, but I have fee. I am on fee's team. <laughs> Just putting we'll, that out there. We'll definitely put the challenge out to um, to yeah. our runners jam community definitely. to be a part of um, at least the urban one anyway. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. To get their feet wet. Yeah. Literally. Good fun. <laughs> It'll be good fun. So it's great having you, um, Liam, in this episode of the Runners Jam podcast. Just remember, people, if you want to drop us a line, we're on Facebook as well. Just search for Runners Jam. Um, we're also on Instagram. So hit us up or drop us a line and, um, you know, we're happy to engage with people. Or you can um, find us at our website, www.runnersjam.com.au. So there's plenty of ways of finding us. That's it. Okay. Liam, is there any final words you'd like to end no, with at this than, point in time? Uh, looking forward to seeing all the runners uh, out on our <laughs> Rate Adventures course, yeah. self-included. 
Exactly. And maybe we'll look at this hundred hours. No, we won't. No, we won't. Maybe we could three hour. Maybe we could broadcast from there. Yeah, no, that'd be interesting. (laughs) So walk in the park, walk in the bush, we'll be fine. Exactly. Catch you later. Catch you all later. Bye, everyone. Okay, bye bye.